Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad that y'all have joined us. We have people in the congregation here, but also those of you who are watching uh, by uh, uh, the website, live streaming or Facebook. Uh, we're welcoming you today. We just pray God's blessings upon you today. I speak those blessings over you today that God would bless you richly and prosper you and build you up in your faith that God would sustain you. Whatever you're facing today, Jesus Christ is the answer. And so today we want to just uh, pray for you. And I pray that this word would be encouraging to you. Uh, this is a two-part series on the importance of humility. We talked somewhat about it last week. And we're glad that you're with us and have joined us. So let's begin with prayer. Father, we bow in reverence and awe of you. And we thank you for who you are, Lord. Because it's about who you are. And we give you praise. And Lord, we worship you and, and honor you. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you. You're our teacher, our guide, our comforter. The one who convicts us. And also the one who testifies in and through us our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I ask you today, all of us pray together. And I ask that you would speak and let me get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth in power and touch people's lives who are watching this in this congregation. But also, Lord, we pray the word of God living and active with Lord go throughout even this community and beyond this day. And that Jesus Christ would be honored and glorified because you're worthy. You're worthy of our praise and adoration. Thank you, Lord, for being here. May we be aware of your presence always and give you praise. Lift your name on high. And Lord, what happens in these four walls in these few moments together? We just pray that we would take what you will impart to us for your word by your spirit out into the highways and byways of life. That people's lives will be changed. Help us to realize and continue to focus and know why we're here. And that is in our relationship with you. But Lord, to share Jesus. To proclaim your goodness and how great a God we serve. And so, Lord, you do these things today. Anoint me, Lord, to share your word as we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The importance of humility. Years ago, and I mentioned this, think about it. I believe a pastor, as I was listening to him, he said one of the most important things at any time of history will be your humility. Because obviously we know pride is what brought Lucifer and got him uh, kicked out of heaven. Okay, And he's roaming around the world. He said he's roaming around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. He came down there. He was cast out because of this pride. He wanted to usurp God off of his throne. How foolish that he was. But you see how foolish pride is in our lives too also. Because really the Bible Jesus said you can do nothing apart from me. Nothing. Nothing of spiritual significance can you do apart from me, Jesus tells us through his word. Okay, But we want to act independent of God. We want to do our own things. And any time that we act independent of God, really pride has come in, come in. And so last week I gave you some of the things, the characteristics, and maybe to examine your life if you maybe thought about uh, if there's any pride in your life. I don't know how many maybe listened to it, looked at it, and and so forth, and, and kind of reflected upon it when I went through those things. Because, see, 
Pride can be blatantly out there, but then pride can be very subtle in your heart. And so today I want to talk about this humility that is very important in our, life, our lives because I believe that humility is really humility and prayer and repentance is the answer to our dilemma. And we need to do that. We spoke of 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 last week. For, the, for obviously, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and heal their land. The first thing that he says is my people will humble themselves. And what does that mean? That means a recognition that we need God. And so we see even in the church house today, is we've gone through church and we go through the motion sometimes of worship and sharing in the word and our singing and so forth. But have we humbled ourselves and have we deep down asked God to reveal to our heart of hearts of how much we need him? And I want to tell you today, we need him in the church. We need him to come back and do something that he and he alone can do. All of the Madison Avenue techniques that I can come up with, all the church growth methods that I can look at, and obviously I've studied these things over the years, and, and all these things certainly are things that may be good in that, but it doesn't take place of the presence of the Lord. We want God's presence. He's here. But we want to be awakened to the holiness of our God that our sins are revealed and God does a work in our hearts to root these things out, that he can come in and bring about that godly repentance and godly sorrow that he gives so uh, abundantly. But first of all, we've got to humble ourselves. And so we're going to look at the scripture, Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, real short. Matthew 23, verse 12, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Read it again. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. How about that? And some people, you know, the Pharisees, they put on the sackcloth and ashes, and they acted, tried to act humble. They kind of like were downcast in that sense and all, but I'm not talking about that, a show. I'm talking about a deep-down, heartfelt humility. And recognizing the blessing of who God is in our lives. And recognizing that we, all, we owe him our all. The Bible says that we've been bought with a price. The precious blood of the lamb. And recognizing that. You see, a politician may bend down and speak to a child or kiss a baby with the motive of appearing humble. But actually, what he's actually may be doing is that he can get people's attention so he can win an election. I was in my past, and maybe you've seen it sometimes before, a church in my past, I was there, and I noticed a, a person that came in, a politician, and he wanted he was running for the justice of the peace. And he came in the church. I'd never seen him before. He came in and sat in the back row, and, and he, uh, he came, I think, maybe one or two times, and that was it. And then he went on. I don't know if he won the election or not, but he was only there, possibly, for show. But yet we know true humility is, is something that obviously we can't just appear outwardly. We have to have something down in our hearts, working humility. And that's the first step for a major revival, an awakening across this land. And, and we know 
And I've talked about revival over the years, and we know that we desperately need revival, you see. Most popular books today actually uh, tell you one way or another of how to exalt yourself. There are self-esteem books that are out there. How to build yourself up, aren't they? You can go into Barnes & Noble or any bookstore off of Amazon, and you can find books all around, and the world teaches you to exalt yourself. The world teaches us that we deserve this and that. And it's just the opposite of humility. If you remember that uh, song by a singer in the past, won't name him, but uh, all of you may recognize who did it, who sung this song was. And the title of the song was, I Did It My Way. Okay. I did it my way. And every time I hear that, I'm going, Lord, no, I did not do it. And that actually is completely alleviating God from anything. I did it my way. And that's my, our issue here today. Because today the culture is focused upon me, myself, and I. And many times you may hear people, or men especially, that I'm a self-made man. And you know, in hospice, all the people that I, that I uh, visited with, many times the daughters would come and say, Jim, dad's not saved. He needs Jesus in his heart and, and all. And, and the first thing maybe that would come out, either directly or indirectly, is I'm a self-made man. And recognizing there's no glory to God at all. There's no credit given to God. You know, a lot of times people will accumulate wealth and they don't give any thanks to God Almighty. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down the Father of lights, comes down from our Father. Every good and perfect gift, you see. But there's no recognition there. And there's a pride there that I did it my way. And obviously that, uh, you know, this is the way I'm going to continue on. But they don't want to humble themselves. Pride drives most activities in the world around us today. The Apostle John, he identified three major motivations in the world. First of all, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. There are three. But the most important here, all of them are important, but the pride of life taking pride i don't need god i don't really obviously will not humble myself before him because i haven't really done anything really bad i haven't uh, murdered anybody or i haven't done this and that as the world sees particular levels maybe of sin or or the wrongdoing and and so forth but but they won't recognize their need of jesus christ in their lives and so we know the day the pride of life is dangerous here the word of God, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted, you see. We need to obviously humble, ask God to work that humility in our hearts because our part is uh, to obviously to humble ourselves. His part is to exalt us. You know, I always tell people that are in a job, okay, think about this. I've always thought this and had this and this, I believe, is very pure motive in my heart. And someone may not be put in a position that obviously they would like to be in. For example, they may start in a low pay paying job, a basic pay and so forth and all. And they start out and I always tell them, start out there, humble yourself, go in and work hard. And God, in his way, in his timing, will exalt you. He will promote you. In places that I've been in the past, I've always thought about it and all. You know, a lot of times in the corporate ladder, people are clawing and scratching their way to the top. And they don't care who they trample over. 
to get the position there. But yet, if they'll just humble themselves and let God be your promoter, let God exalt you. If you'll humble yourself according to the word of God, that he will exalt you. But the issue is we're told just the opposite. Isn't it strange in a way, not strange, but it's true that the way the world teaches us is just the opposite of what the word of God tells us to do and how to live. Just the opposite. So if, if the world's telling you one way, you can probably rest assured that actually it's just the opposite according to the word of God. You know, we, we obviously want to kind of make it happen on our own. And when I get in and try to make it happen on my own, I want to tell you, it never seemed to work out. Have you found out to be, that to be true? Is you get in and you start working this and working that. But if you humble yourself and trust God, you see, because the whole thing is about trusting the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths, you see. But do we believe that? We know that scripture, but do we really believe that humbling ourselves, God will have his way uh, and it will be the best way. Now, how do we humble ourselves? Listen to the scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Paul gives Jesus as the ultimate example of humility here. And I'm reading from the Amplified Translation. And it says, let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which makes God God, did not think this Equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity in that he became like men and was born a human being. And he talks about in the King James here of no reputation. Think about it. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He humbled himself and he came down from from his royalty from heaven above, had been with the Father and the Holy Spirit of God throughout eternity past. And he came down, he chose to come down, humble himself, and obviously he was deity, he was man, but was God, but he was also man. But while he walked on this earth, he never tapped into his deity, he walked as a man so that you and I could walk under the power of the Spirit just as he did when he was baptized in the River Jordan of the Holy Spirit of God. And he humbled himself, took of no reputation there, that is the ultimate example of humility. Can you understand what's being said today? Can you understand humility is so important? And if Jesus did this, then obviously, why can't we allow God that, to work that in our hearts also? Obviously, the issue is we want people to like us. We want to be considered smart in something. And it's natural to want to be respectful and esteemed. And, and we were designed by the Creator to live Obviously, in, in that area, not an honor, not dishonor. And when God exalts us, he gives us a reputation. But it should be the reputation that God gives us. But you believe, I believe that every day we have the opportunity to humble ourselves. We have the, you may say, well, I'm not out in the marketplace like I used to be. I'm not out in, involved around the community and so forth. It doesn't make any difference. God, God is saying he's got you here and he's working humility in our hearts because he will do that in his way if we will allow him to do that. The humiliation of Jesus was not the end of the matter, as you may well know. 
The next verse makes a distinct connection between his humiliation and his exaltation. He says, therefore, because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the, the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every now knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue, frankly and openly, confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He humbled himself, but look what God did. He recognized. You see, sometimes I've mentioned this before, but in visiting with people at the end of their life, they're terminal, and they know obviously that whatever time God gets ready to call them, that obviously time is drawing near. And sometimes I will I will talk with them and 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 they will talk like in one way or another that they're independent of God's moving in their lives, that they're independent of anything that God would do here. Because, I'll, I'll, you know, they have bedside tables and put it over the bed if they have a hospital bed in their home or if it's in a nursing home or wherever it may be. And, you know, they put a glass of water there on the table and all, and you go over to, to help them with that because you feel like they're frail and weak and all, and they'll take and push your hand away and take that glass of water and drink it. And I said, what are they doing? Okay, I wanted to help them to drink that glass of water so they wouldn't spill it and so forth. But to that person, that taking that glass of water and that actually that little action was a way of saying, I've got some control here. And I thought about it. In reality, folks, we're not in control. And so when will we completely release our lives into the hands of God Almighty and say, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do this, you see. Because it's not by might nor power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord that works in our lives and works in the church house and works to bring an awakening to the, re to the reality of God Almighty and to His holiness today. But see, we want that. We think we're just a little bit in control. But you see, the reality is those people on hospice, yes, they were terminal, but does everybody recognize here we're all terminal? Everybody? Now, this is not real good news in the sense of some of us. You may be saying, Jim, you're getting real morbid here. But the reality is we're all terminal, right? It's just a matter of time. So why not allow God to work that humility in our hearts to where we see that it's God and God alone? That's what he's bringing us to. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians, we were talking about it on Wednesday night, about prayers. In Ephesians 3... The Apostle Paul is telling, praying for the church at Ephesus. And I pray this prayer, and maybe you do too. It's a wonderful prayer. And Paul prays, he said, I pray that you know how long and wide and high and deep is the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. And then he goes on to say that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, if this was a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed, you know it's in the will of God, right? It's in the word of God. And so this is something that God is bringing you and I to. I want to walk in the fullness of all the fullness of the measure of God. Amen. I want to do that. You see, we're moving towards that. But it, it takes everyday surrender. Every day, it takes a recognition that I need to humble myself before him and recognize I'm not in control, that I'm totally dependent upon him. The Bible says he gives us life and breath and everything else. We're totally dependent upon him. And the only thing, way that can work is by God's spirit working that in our heart. When we greet one another, we come into church or wherever it may be. What's the first thing that you ask them? 
Anybody? What's the first thing? When you greet somebody, you know, your, your name, of course, your name and so forth. And, and then what is the next question that you ask them? How are you? How are you? Anything else when you go beyond that? How are you? How you doing? Anybody? What's the first thing? Where do you go to church? Where do you go to church? All these things and so forth. A lot of times we we'll ask them, what do you do? What type of work do you do? Isn't that usually a lot of times what we could do? What do you do? What do you do? When really we need, we need to ask the question is, who are you? Who are you? Because really the reality is who we are is not, we're our identity is not tied up in what we do. It's who we are. We're a child of God. We are a follower of Jesus. Amen. But yet that's the first thing we ask. And that's the way we do it. And of course, nothing wrong with that. I ask the same thing and, and, and so forth. But I'm just saying, why not? Who are you? Are you a child of God? Do you know who you are? Do you recognize our identity is in Jesus Christ and not what we do? That is from humility, folks. So how do we look in God's eyes? You see, it's not our reputation before man that God is, is speaking these things. It's not our reputation that God is looking at. He's saying today, you know, a lot of times we, we may be placed in a place of obscurity. Do you feel like you're in a place of obscurity, obscurity today? You know what that is? A place nobody sees you. You're not obviously being recognized for anything that you can do. You're not being recognized that... Uh, what you're doing and so forth is not being recognized by man. Nobody is recognizing what you're doing. You're doing it behind the scenes. And nobody is seeing what you're doing and so forth. And you may feel like you're in a place of obscurity. Do you know that God may have you there for the very reason of what we're talking about today? To humble yourself. He looks at my life and your life to determine whether or not we're going to remain faithful. No matter whether or not anybody sees this or not, you see. You see, here today, as our church and the numbers that we have and so forth, the people that we have, the reality is when God gets to heaven, God, I don't believe, will ask Jim, look, how, how big a church did you grow, Jim? How big a church did, did uh, you know, obviously, Pastor, did, did um, you know, you have 100? Did you have 200? Did you have several thousand? Did you have 10,000? I'm not measured by that. I'm measured, and you're measured by whether or not you're being faithful with, with, with what God's given you. He is obviously given a small thing. He looks at us to see whether or not we will be faithful with it so he can give us more. It's the same way with our money. If we obviously steward our money in the proper way, he'll give us more. If we're faithful in what we do. And that humility is worked in this particular sense. Place of security. Because God has you there. Remember when Moses was going. He was uh, obviously knew that he was going to be a deliverer. God was using him to lead the, uh, the children of Israel out of captivity. And you remember what happened. He went and killed the Egyptian. He got out of uh, God's timing. And he killed the Egyptian. You remember the story. And what happened to Moses? Anybody know the story? Remember what happened? He was put on the backside of the desert. Was it for a week? Or was it for a couple of weeks? A few days? It's 40 years. <laughs> I mean, let me tell you. 
God is looking for people who will humble themselves under his mighty hand that he may exalt them. He's looking for a church that will humble themselves, who will truly declare in their hearts. And it's an attitude and it's a motive of the heart that we are totally dependent upon the Lord. Do you know we're totally dependent to the Lord for revival or an awakening across our church here today? We're totally dependent upon the Lord to come in and totally heal us and restore us in that. We're totally dependent. But it takes humility and recognizing. You see, we're seeing healings in this place, aren't we? Okay. We're seeing people that are testifying. People are doing better. Praise God. Okay. But it begins by humility. The Bible says he gives grace to the humble. But what does he do to the proud? He resists them. He actively acts and works against them because resistance actually in that, I believe the Greek is also, he actively works against them. So why not humble ourselves and say, Lord, I'm crying out to you. Lord, do this today. Bring about revival in my church, in my family, in my life, and across League City and across the Houston area and beyond. If you have faith just for Houston, that's faith that we can cry out to God on a regular basis and believe for something so big that we know God and God alone can do. And why is that? It's because when it happens, God will get the glory. Amen? It won't be because I have a proper program, or it won't happen because somehow I conjured it up to try to motivate people through threats or any types of things. I wouldn't do that anyway. But it's got to be God. And how does that take place? It takes place through prayer. It takes place through humbling. Second Chronicles 7.14 speaks of it so vividly clear. Humbling themselves and praying and seeking our face and turning from their wicked ways. He said, I will hear from heaven. Now, I believe a lot of theologians will debate this particular scripture and what it exactly means. But I take God at his word because I'm a simple man. And I take the scriptures there. Sometimes we try to uh, over intellectualize it but i just take it it says if you humble yourself and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways then i'll heal your land i will i pour my spirit out upon you but what takes place by humility remember what happened to joseph god gave him a reputation of ruler but what happened to begin with with joseph he was thrown there in uh, the well remember he was put in jail. He was accused falsely by Potiphar's uh, wife, remember? And he was thrown in jail and so forth. But where did he wind up as number two man, as ruler of, over Egypt, didn't he? And then also the way God worked it out is obviously he took care of his family. But this was Joseph. Remember what happened to David? You see, Saul was trying to kill David for a long time. And David hadn't done anything to Saul. God, David had already been chosen by God to take the place, the ruler, the kingship, and so forth. But what did David do? He humbled himself. And he didn't touch God's anointed, he said. He humbled himself in that way. And God exalted him in due season. And that's why you and I are need to be here today we want to see revival in this place does everybody here agree and believe jesus christ is the only answer it's not about whether or not you're r or d or i okay it actually is jesus christ coming and working something in our hearts and our land that he and he alone to do because see that will be what remains a politicians come and go 
God will do something that will last right eternity. I want to see that, folks. And I know that my humility means I've got to trust God. I've got to cry out to God. You see, I do a lot of things that I believe sometimes are great importance, okay? That I don't pray about. Do you know what I'm exhibiting when that takes place? I'm exhibiting pride. Because what I say is, I don't need God in this situation. I don't know if anybody relates to that. Maybe you pray about everything. We need to. And God, I'm still learning. I'm still growing, okay? But I'm confessing. Sometimes I do that. And I've looked at it and said, you know what that is? That's pride. Because I think I can do it on my own. And what does that mean? That means my prayer life's got to be a lot better than what it has been, right? Anybody here? I mean, you don't have to just sit and listen, okay? But it means that something has crept in and saying, I can do this without God. Now, it may be subconsciously. I never say that as a preacher. I never say that at all. But in a way, see, you see, subconsciously I do. God is saying, you can't do anything. And you need to pray about this, Jim. You need to get out on your knees and you need to cry out to me for this. If I want to see revival in my lifetime and so forth, I've got to believe that God wants to bring it, that God wants to save people. The Bible says that he wishes none to perish, but all to come to everlasting life, right? And we know that's his will. And the Bible says we pray for anything in his will, then it shall be given unto you. We got to pray because we've got to recognize our need of God. You see, hum humility means that obviously, even when we have a job, we've got to deal with demeaning experiences. Sometimes we're treated unjustly. Sometimes others take credit for the work that we did. And sometimes our bosses are downright abusive, right? Downright abusive. Everybody has been wronged in their life in one way or another. How do you respond? Do you say, I'm going to retaliate? I'm going to get revenge? I'm going to take matters into my own hands? Or do I humble myself and say, God, you can take care of this? Remember when they were accusing Jesus? Here he is. Came to save the world of its sins. Okay. And he's standing before the so-called religious rulers. Think of really. They obviously thought that they had his life in their hands. They didn't have any life, anything of Jesus in their hands. But remember what he did. He didn't say anything, did he? Can you stand there when somebody is accusing you and demeaning you and saying downright vicious things about you and you just stand and you trust God so much in your heart of hearts that you can stand there and say, God will fight for me. God will take care of this. Can we do that? Now I'm getting down to the nitty gritty, right? Humility is trusting God no matter what your circumstances look like. No matter how bad it gets. It's trusting that God is with you and He will never leave you nor forsake you and that He will fight for you. Do you believe that? If you think today everything's going in the wrong direction, it's exactly the way the Bible has called it, okay? It's not like this is some type, God's confused in heaven and he's wringing his hands wondering what he's going to do. He knows exactly because he's still on his throne and if we trust him, then obviously, and come under the shadow of his wings, then we know that we're going to be okay. Amen? We're going to be okay because we've humbled ourselves 
You see, pride is our biggest problem. And God wants to free us of its tyranny. You see, I, I, little petty sins, and they're, and they're all sin is sin in God's eyes, but these other things out there, the, and he said the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and so forth, those these things are definitely, we need to confess them, repent of them and so forth. But you see, the real problem is pride because pride is at the foundation. Pride is at the foundation. It says, I know better than God. I can take this into my hands. I've got this, God. I'll, I'll call on you when I need you. Any time we trust in ourselves and not in God, we invite pride to come in. What happened when you were saved? Think back. And maybe even that's something that you think about uh, on a regular basis. And we should revisit that. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day, folks, right? Preach the gospel to ourselves. Gospel of salvation, amen? Gospel of the kingdom, actually, here. So you remember what you did was you recognized that you were a sinner. God touched your heart. It was a revelation. God revealed to you that you were a sinner. The Bible says no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So you recognize that. You recognize that you were totally undone. If God didn't do something to save you, you realize that you obviously would, you would just fall off that cliff right straight into hell. Okay? So, so what did you do? You humbled yourself, didn't you? And what did you do? You recognized your need of Jesus Christ in your life. And you said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I believe that you died for my sins. You gave your life and you carried my sins. You came for that very, very matter. And, and right now, I ask you to come in my life and save me. And be my Lord and Savior. And you humbled yourself and recognizing your need. How many of you here today have gotten away from it? And you think, well, I got saved that way, but now I'm living totally different in the opposite. God's saying every day we live in humility. We live in humility completely, you see. C.S. Lewis calls it the great sin. And identifies it as a central moral issue. Pride is there, you see. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Are we getting the picture? Do we know what it? We understand humility. It's not putting on a show outwardly. It's asking God to work this in my heart. The Bible says to guard our hearts against pride. And you know what I pray? Lord, work humility in my heart. Because pride is very subtle. And there's a little bit or a lot in all of our lives. Some people will be prideful and arrogant and they will not repent. We know that. But see, we're being shown these things in our hearts. And if we'll repent and show and ask God to come in and to take care of these matters, he will. The matter is when we say there is no pride in our heart, nothing. I'm completely, obviously, alienated from that. No, you're not. When you say that, actually... That pride is there. Be careful lest we too fall. You see, pride will drive the presence of God away from a congregation as fast as anything I know of. Pride will dry up your budget. Pride will keep the presence of the Lord from moving. The Spirit of God brooding over our congregation and moving in our midst today. Pride will keep us. Why? It's because we're saying, hey, Jim, I want it like we've always done it. 
We've been doing it since the 40s, 50s, 60s, and so forth. And yet, I'm going, we need to keep, keep on going. I want to hear God, and I want a fresh word from God, and I want to move where God is moving today. And that takes me listening to God and a heart of obedience. But it takes the congregation in the same way. It takes us desiring for God to do this. A reputation, obviously, is not about looking good. It's about doing the will of God. Are we doing the will of God? You see. You see, in a way, we're in circumstances that are rather humble, right? We have a church. We have the building here and so forth. But we don't have a whole lot of people, okay? Small number of people here. And obviously, we've, uh, we've seen many, many people in this church go home to be with the Lord and so forth. But it's humbling and we're crying out, God, do this. Do something miraculous in our midst today that I believe he wants to do. Obviously, if we're doing the will of the Father, then we can stand and say, thank you, Father. But you see, even that is hum humility. It's humility each and every day. Obviously, Jesus went down, down, down in his reputation. Down from the majesty of heaven. And he took upon himself the form of a mere human being, even becoming a servant of men. Remember what he said? He said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. He took that. He took that and he humbled himself. Obviously, you know, Jesus standing there. Before the world as a criminal, he was clad, he was a criminal to those religious leaders, you see. And he died a criminal's death. There he was standing before a puny ruler, Pilate. Jesus could have called down legions of angels and wiped the whole place out. And said, I've had enough of this. These people are so arrogant and so prideful. Angels come and wipe them out. He could have. He could have wiped the place out. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? Remember, he was crying, Lord, is there any way, any way, but not my will be done, but your will be done. Is that the cry of our heart? Not my will, but thy will be done. That is humility, certainly, as we see Jesus giving him life for us, an example here. Think about this for a moment. The power of Jesus um, is great, greater than any atomic bomb. We've seen that, obviously, World War II there that took place. Terrible disaster. But they're so powerful. But Jesus, the atomic bombs are nothing compared to the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. And he humbled himself. And he went to the cross. He felt those nails just like a man. He was a man. He died there. The man Christ Jesus. Yes, he was God. He was deity. Yes. But he didn't because he could have wiped the whole place out and said, God, start over again, please. These people, I've had them with them. He's looking to me as a leader of the church here, pastor, to humble myself and, and say, we need you, Lord. And so I need to pay more attention, right? I need to pay more attention. Certainly, I be, need, need to be an example to you in saying, God, do this. So let me read here in Isaiah chapter 9. Because God was disciplining them. 
and Israel's response to God's judgment there in, in their land. He was trying to get their attention. Do you think God's trying to get our attention right now, what we see happening in this country? Do you think? You see, when I was a little boy, my brother and I have always said my mom and dad took us to church and we'd go into church and the church that I was a part of was bigger than this church as it grew also. I remember the days actually there in the early 70s that the church, it was a pretty large church, and then we would take chairs and put down the aisle, you see, on both sides and in the corners, and people would come in, and the church would be filled with the people, okay? So what's happened here, folks? What's happened today is I believe that we have certainly said, hey, we've done it this way, and I'm not going to make any changes. I'm not going to hear because this is the way we've always done it. You see, the way we've always done it is not necessarily working. God said, I'm doing a new thing. And that takes you and me hearing God and then doing exactly what God tells us to do. If we want to see revival, we've got to listen to God. We've got to learn to hear from God. But the people of Israel, when they were under discipline, listen to what they did and what they said here. They responded by standing up to the challenge and saying, we'll develop a plan and we'll make it happen. We will build this thing bigger and better than ever before. And God's hand just kept coming down on them. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 8 through 13, the Lord sent word against Jacob, and it has fallen on Israel. All the people will know, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say in pride and arrogance of heart, the bricks have fallen down, but we'll rebuild with hewn stones, and the sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. Therefore the Lord shall set up the adversaries of Rekin against them and spur his enemies on, the Syrians before them and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with an open mouth. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. For the people do not turn to him who strikes them, nor do they seek the Lord of hosts. The truth of the matter is you and I know the truth. I know the truth. So do you. And sometimes we say, well, we'll just kind of patch it up over here in our own efforts. And God is saying, you've got to run to me. You've got to get on your knees. You've got to cry out to me to do this because he's the only one that can do it. You see, there's no other way. Many of you may have read the uh, Harbinger there by Jonathan Kahn. He talks about the judgments today. I believe today that we are under passive judgment of God. I've said that before. I do believe that. I, I believe we are under the passive judgment. Now, when that translates into the active judgment of God, then you want to see greater and greater. But see, what's happening here today is God's allowing this country to go through some things that I believe he's trying to get your attention and my attention to say, will we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways that he'll hear from heaven and he will forgive our sin and he will heal our land. You said the Bible says that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. He looks at you and me. The world out there can do what he wants today, but he looks at his people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And you say, yeah, but we only got, what, 20 people here? It doesn't make any difference to God. Revivals have started with a handful, a cluster of people who said, we need God and we'll do anything that he tells us to do. Just please, Lord, 
Please do it. America is under the passive judgment of God. I believe. He's getting our attention. And he's actually looking at leadership. He's looking at me. I'm saying, Lord, forgive me. Have mercy on me. Forgive me, Lord. You see, that's something we should be doing is repenting. Confessing before him. If God during this time, folks, has shown you something and something has surfaced on your heart. And you believe you need to confess it or you need to get it right. Get it right today. Don't wait till next week. You see, sometimes we gloss it over and we kind of like cover it up. You see. I do believe unless God does something here in regards to the church in America. Then I believe, obviously, I'm not sure where we would end up. But I'm saying today. That we need to turn to the Lord and humble ourselves. You know, we can tweak the music. We can tweak the sermons. I can give a, a message there that's only like 15 minutes long and so forth. And I can kind of like give a little bit like a seeker type of service, which sometimes they have. And, and God bless, they've been told to give seeker services. That's fine. But I've been called to preach the word of God, the purity of the word of God. And every time I preach it, let me tell you, it convicts me. I preach to myself and y'all know that. But we can't. That is not the answer. When I first planted a church 30, 35 years ago, you know, I knew the young people wanted the courses and so forth. And that's what I brought in and so forth. But it's not about the hymns. It's not about the courses. It's not about this and that. It's about the presence of the Lord. It's about the presence, a manifest presence of God Almighty, the glory of God coming in and changing our hearts, breaking our hearts, completely devastating us. One pastor said the revival will be like Judgment Day. John Wesley preached. They were sitting out in these tent meetings and they were sitting on the chairs there and all. And the conviction of God came upon the people in that tent so much that they fell out of their chairs and actually testified. They thought if God did not save them that they were going to go right at that moment down into the pits of hell. They were so convicted. When the light of Jesus shines on your heart and my heart, it has to make changes in my life and your life today. And the only way that can happen is saying, God, do this today. I humble myself. I recognize that I need you. There's no other way. Humility is the answer. And prayer and seeking the Lord. We've got to understand what he's saying today. In 2 Chronicles seven thirteen, God told Solomon, when I show up to heaven, and there's no more rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among you. We got all that going on today, don't we? Now, you can claim and symbolize locusts like something else, but we got pestilence here. We got COVID. You see, this didn't happen just because, hey, God's up there and he's just letting everything loose. He has to allow certain things to happen. But what does he do? The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that he works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He wants to turn it around, but he's getting your attention, my attention today. You praying today? Pray because things are getting darker. There's an evil that's, that's coming across this land amongst our leaders, amongst people of notoriety all over the place today because the evil has been unloosed up here. And he's looking to God's people because we have the light of Jesus shining through us. But it takes humility. 
is not about tweaking our programs. It's not about doing something different in this room. If God tells us, then yes, we need to do it. But it's about the presence of the Lord. this make sense? You may say, Jim, what does this look like? What's this look like? It may mean that we're humiliated in His presence. What we talked about last week that if the fear of man is your priority, the Spirit of God stands in distance because the fear of man is a snare. You worry about people, what people will say, you say. God's spoken to you today. Let's take care of it. There's something. If, if, if in one way or another you feel distant from the Lord, today is the day to get it right. The day is the day that you need to obviously just just say, Lord, I, I feel that you see with God, it's just coming bare before him, transparent and getting honest and saying, Lord, I'm not as close to you as what I want to be. I'm not as close to you as when I first got saved. Do you still have that that spring in your step after you accepted Jesus? You found do you still have it today? That same uh, vibrancy and life in your heart that you first had when you came to Jesus do you still have it do you still have it if you don't today may be the day that he says let's get it right that's humbling ourselves church God is saying today I believe he's given a church an opportunity yes I think that God will can stay his hand but I believe that he is looking for you and me on the response that we will make. It will be a response of humility. And it will be a response in saying, Lord, do whatever you want to do in my life. That's my prayer today. Do whatever you want in my life. I don't care what it means. I don't care where it look, way it looks. I don't care what people think. I don't care. You see, if I have in the back of my mind, what is somebody going to think about this? If that pastor up there, he completely goes cuckoo. Okay. Then I'm worried about what people will think. When you're radically in love with Jesus Christ, how are you going to act? You're going to act. I mean, totally cuckoo. Okay. If you want to be radically in love with our Savior. He'll take you where you are. He'll take me where I am. And he'll do that. See, I want revival for this whole land. I want revival. But you see, revival begins with this preacher right here. See. <laughs> revival starts right here with me personally. And I'm making a declaration to you today. That I believe that when Jim Barcliffe humbles himself 
and prays and seeks his face and turns from his wicked ways, then God will hear from heaven and forgive my sin. And he'll heal my heart. If you can say the same today, make that decision. Everybody listening. It's not what I say, it's what the Spirit of God says. And I'm not trying to flesh it out, don't get me wrong. But if the Spirit of God, and that's just right now where you are, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you, and um, there's a decision that you need to make in this place today. You're not as close to the Lord as you want to be. Raise your hand. Okay. You're not radically in love with Jesus like you want to be. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I'm not trying to conjure up some emotions in this. Don't get me wrong. That's not my motive. My motive is to get real honest with God. And say, I need you, Lord. But I believe when you humble yourself and you say that. I believe that God's heart is moved towards you. Why? Because what the word of God says. Y'all know what God is looking for in a church and individuals and a pastor. And leadership. To be completely sold out to him. See, life comes in and just sort of like consumes us, right? It does. And God wants us to live life, okay? He does. So I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying all of you have got to go uh, and, and surrender and say, I'm, I want to go into pastorate, okay? What I'm saying is, in our relationship with God, if it's not where you want it to be, get honest. Just like right then. Get honest and say, Lord, I'm not where I want to be. I'm saying that. I'm not where you where I want to be with you. Because I believe there's more of God than what He is. Actually, I've experienced of Him. And I believe that He He just pours His heart out towards a congregation, individuals who will totally get honest and say, Lord, have thine own way. You know the old hymn? Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. If we can say that today, today, I believe it's a beginning for all of you. Don't do it because I've said here today, but the Spirit of God is knocking on your heart's door. You can say it. I want, obviously, <clears throat> I don't want change for change's sake. But I don't want to stay in the same pattern simply because tradition tells me this is the way I've got to do it. I will do whatever God tells me to do. And I'm listening and I want you to obviously be in the same mode. Because you are a part. You're my family. Every one of you here. And this message today is not to bring condemnation upon you, okay? If God convicts you of it, then confess it and repent of it. But I'm not here. I can't do that. There's no... Therefore, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, okay? That's not the purpose. The purpose is to get you thinking. We're in desperate straits, folks. This country is getting dark, and it's getting darker. And God looks at my life. He looks at your life. He looks at the church folk to say, what are you going to do if my people, 
who are called by my name. And you say, ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm good. I'm good. Move on, Jim. And when you do that, you basically just shut the door and say, I don't need anything. And God says, okay. The Israelites kept being under the hand of God. Because they said, we're going to build bigger. We can do this. And when they did that, he kept, he kept on and on and on. Just pressing them down. Decisions in here. If you made a decision, come to me afterwards and let me pray with you about it. Okay? If you made a decision and you want prayer, stay and, and, and pray. We'll pray. Okay? Just come forward and come pray and pray. Thank you, Lord. In fact, on the end, thank you all for joining us today. Pray that God's touched your heart. Always turn your heart to Jesus. Amen. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week too. Okay?